This is a Sunday message from New Community Church in London. To discover more about New Community, visit newcom.church. We're continuing this series, uh, Summer of Celebration. Um, although I'm not sure where the summer's gone, uh, penultimate week before the holidays are over, and I don't think I've seen the sun the last month anyway, so there we go. What, a, what an interesting summer. Um, but we're going to be looking at some of the key moments uh, that, of God's heart expressed for our joy. That's what we've been looking at over these last few weeks, and we're going to continue to look at that today. And without what we're looking at today... You could quite definitely say that there really is no good news. There really is no joy. There really is no uh, celebration. About two to three years ago, um, I can't quite remember because I don't know about you, but COVID's thrown out time into a different complexity and I just can never actually work out when different events happened. But anyway... Two or three years ago, um, we were doing a little alpha in our, in our house. Um, and alpha, if you don't know what it is, is kind of a, uh, just a, a short course to explore faith in Jesus, explore what it is to have a relationship with God. And we're chatting around the table with a couple of people, and one woman says, um, I was watching a documentary uh, just the other night, and it explained how Jesus' bones have been found. And... Uh, my initial thought was, I'm pretty sure she's got some crucial details wrong here. I'm pretty sure she has. But my second thought was, well, if that's true, what are we doing? Why are we talking about a faith in Jesus if he's really just still dead and in the grave? If he's not actually alive? Seriously, if Jesus is, in still, is still dead, if he's not alive, then we're wasting our time. If the story of God stops at Jesus' life and death, then there really isn't much to celebrate. There, there, in fact, Christianity, you could argue, is a tragedy. Picture the scenario for a moment. Here's the bad news, by the way. Picture the scenario for a moment. It's AD 30-something. Jesus has been arrested and nailed to a cross. Injustice done. A murderer, Barabbas, is released and the innocent Jesus killed. There's black skies, there's terrible pain, there's people crying. And then a huge stone in front of a hero's tomb. On Friday night at six o'clock, the worst fears about the world are confirmed. There is no hero. There is no rescue story. Jesus is just like everyone else. Born, lived, died. Without the resurrection, we would have a big problem. In fact, the Bible itself tells us so. It says, Christians, we are of all people most to be pitied. But we know that that's not how it ended. We know that the good news is on Friday, Jesus was crucified. On Saturday, he was in the grave. But on Sunday, he raised to life. He conquered the grave. See, on, a, on that Sunday morning, a group of women uh, approached the tomb to go and perfume Jesus' body, and they found that the stone had been rolled away. They found the tomb empty. And with a matter of hours, a number of people in several different locations announced they've seen Jesus alive. They've seen him alive and well. By the way, just so you know, that this announcement back then was as crazy as it is today. 
It's not like they fought differently about it. No, no, it was as crazy then as it was, as it is today. They didn't believe in resurrection in this way. And yet the witness list grew. You can read about it in the Gospels. The witness list grew. Even a crowd of 500 people reported to have seen Jesus alive. Jesus was resurrected, alive and well. And he is still alive and well today. And just so you know, that woman who was on our little alpha course, she came back the following week. She checked the video that she uh, video. That's about 1986. Um, she checked the the the, uh, the online uh, documentary and realised she had got some crucial details wrong. It was in fact a pharaoh from Egypt whose bones had been discovered, or something like that. But it wasn't Jesus, uh, so that was good news. Um, and these are the facts. These are the facts. The tomb is empty. But what difference does that make to you and me today? Why is that good news for us to celebrate even in this room today? And so for the rest of the time, uh, we're going to explore just four reasons. There's so many, but there's four reasons why the resurrection is good news. It's news for us to celebrate. And uh, Hannah will be up to share a couple of them in a moment as well. So the first reason to celebrate is this. It would be coming up on the screen, but it's not going to... The resurrection frees us from our sins. The resurrection frees us from our sins. 1 Corinthians 15, 17 says, And if Christ had not been raised, if he wasn't raised from the grave, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Without the resurrection, we would be stuck. Lost in our sin, our shame, our guilt. We'd still have the sin, the debt of sin that remains unpaid. But Romans 4.25 tells us he was delivered over to death and justified, uh, sorry, and raised to life for our justification. He was delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. By being raised to life, Jesus proves his sacrifice for our sins was effective. It's the Father's stamp of approval. You know, on the cross when he stood there and said, it is finished. This is the Father's stamp of approval that it is truly finished, that our sins have been dealt with. As he raised from the grave, it's saying forgiveness from sins is now possible. And so is freedom from sin as well. That's why Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, can say to you and I today, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's no doubt. There's no confusion. There's no uh, maybe. Why? Because Jesus is resurrected and we can know freedom from our sins. The resurrection means a murderer like Paul can look back to his past and be convinced he concluded that his sins had been dealt with his past had been dealt with and so we too can know our sins forgiven as well maybe you're here and you 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 too can look back at your past and you feel guilty about your sin guilty about some of the things in your life then hear this today this is such a wonderful reminder a wonderful reminder that if you are in Christ, if you have taken the, 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 if you have said to Jesus, I want to follow you, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can know completely that your sins have been dealt with forever. As far as from the east is from the west, he has removed my 
transgressions. He has removed my sins. Colossians 2.12 says this, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. You were dead in your trespasses, but God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He's cancelled the debt. He's cancelled it. He set aside and nailed it to the cross. It's wonderful, good, wonderfully good news for us today because of the resurrection, because Jesus is alive, because he went to the cross but raised from the dead, our sins have been dealt with. And I love watching baptisms. I personally loved uh, my own baptism. I can look back to that moment and, uh, and remember it as a moment that I declared outwardly what what's God had done in my life, to declare that, 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 that the resurrection has won, that as I went down into the water, it's that reminder, that conclusion that, 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 that I've, my sins have been buried. My sins have gone to the grave with Jesus Christ. And as I come up, because it's good that you do come up out of the water, you come up and it's that reminder, that declaration that I'm now a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Sin no longer defines you. Sin no longer defines you. It is dealt with. You have been made alive in Christ. And I'd encourage you, if, if you've made that decision, if you've declared with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then, and if you haven't got baptized, I'd encourage you, get baptized and have that wonderful moment of, of declaring publicly what God has done in your life. The good news is also this, though. We're not just freed from sin. We're also freed to live a life for God. We're also freed to have a relationship with Jesus. We're no longer enslaved to sin, hallelujah, but we're now free also to enjoy God in every moment of our lives. Every moment. We, it is possible now, because we're not defined by sin, it's now possible to enjoy God in every moment of my life. We get to enjoy the God of the universe for all our days and forevermore. That's something to celebrate. That is good news. The second point is this, that we have reasons to celebrate, is this. The resurrection removes the sting of death. The resurrection removes the sting of death. Big revelation for you. One day, you're going to die. I know. It's a bit morbid for a Sunday afternoon, but it's true, and you know that. And our news, we know this, is daily full of stories of death in our nation and the nations of the world. And I'm sure each and every one of us has at some point experienced closer to home someone in our lives dying. This week I even heard one of my uncles had died. See, even with all the medical advancements, all the technological advancements, all the scientific advancements, even, and I looked this up the other day, even with a global spending of over $58 billion on anti-aging products, even as much as we try to busy ourselves with doing whatever we can and not think about it, death is the great reality that all of us are going to face. Every one of us. No one can avoid it. Our death is as certain as our birth. And even with all the uncertainties that we've had this 
past year and all our normalities kind of thrown up and down. If you think about it and take a moment, the one really normal thing that is going to happen in life is death. But why? Well, it started back in Genesis 2, where God told Adam if he eats from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he will surely die. Because God is life, to turn away from him, to to sin and turn away from him ultimately means death. And 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says, in Adam all die. See, Adam represents the whole of mankind, the whole of the human race. And when we all, he and when we all since have sinned and turned away from God, the, 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 the consequence, as we heard there, is death. So in Adam all die. But here's the good news. In Christ all shall be made alive. In Christ, all shall be made alive. Sin leads to death, but the resurrection of Jesus leads to life. Romans 5.17 says, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Much more will those reign in life through Jesus. Yes, death is a certain thing, but we can reign in life because of Jesus Christ. Jesus' resurrection provides the way for the cycle of sin and death to be broken. The resurrection of Jesus answers the problem of death. The resurrection of Jesus conquers death. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? See, the resurrection removes the sting of death. Yes, we are still physically going to die, but we don't need to fear death because for those who are in Christ, death is no longer our destination. It is the gateway to perfect, endless life. The resurrection removes the sting of death. What another reason to celebrate. Hannah. Should have brought two bottles. Okay. Um, So the third reason to celebrate this afternoon is that the resurrection gives us hope of eternal life. Now, Joe's just spoken of how Jesus' resurrection has removed the sting of death. But the good news doesn't stop there. The resurrection has also given us the promise of eternal life. And John 3.16, well-known verse in the Bible, declares, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And out of love for us, God has given us the assurance that we will not perish, that we'll have life in him, that we will have life with him forever. Now, I don't know about you, but I find eternity a huge concept that kind of baffles my mind, and I I can struggle with it sometimes. And when we come to the word of God, we're just reminded of what a hope we have in this eternal promise. So Revelation 21, verses 3 to 4, gives us this amazing picture of eternity in heaven. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. 
He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. Then Romans 8:21 tells us that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So heaven is where we as children of God, as his people, will inherit the glorious riches and freedoms God has got for us. It's where we will dwell with God. As his people, it's where we're promised resurrection bodies without blemish, frailty, or limit. And it's a place where there will be no more tears, no more pain, and no more death. So who's excited? Yeah? Nemi, I thought you would be. Thanks for a little clap there. Well, whilst it's such a future hope to live for, it should also give us hope for the here and now. Because the promise is that we live on this earth, it's temporary. Okay, our existence on this earth is temporary. And as Paul states in Romans 8, creation is subjected to frustration. It's in bondage to decay and it's groaning as in the child pains of childbirth. And we know all too well that in contrast to heaven, we experience tears on this earth pain on this earth and death during our lifetime. Life can be hard sometimes. Life can be painful sometimes. And whilst becoming a Christian doesn't take the pain away, it doesn't promise us an easy life, we can have hope that in our present, we have an eternal perspective and a hope beyond the grave. And this hope can actually help us to let go of a fear of death. Some of you might resonate with that, that that you struggle with a fear of death. You might know that feeling where when there's a health concern, the, the fear or the anxiety sets in. When you get ill and there's some level of uncertainty about the cause. Or when you or someone you love is sent for a test or a scan and you're awaiting the results. Well, the truth is, all of our bodies are getting old and decaying. No one, sorry guys, but no one in this room is getting younger right now, okay? We are all getting old and we will all die one day. But we genuinely have nothing to fear as we age and decline because we're not living for the glories of this earth. That's such a hope. Our inheritance is in the new heavens and the new earth where we'll come face to face with Jesus, where we will become like him. We have a hope that what we're living for outlives the grave because Jesus overcame the grave. The final reason to celebrate is that the resurrection means God's restoration has already begun. So I've just touched on the glorious hope that we have got in our future of resurrection bodies, of being like Jesus. But when Jesus comes again, the whole of creation will be restored. Jesus' bride, the church, will be presented to him as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. And because Jesus is alive, he's begun this restoration work now. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 tells us that we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. 
the risen Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is at work in us right now to sanctify and to transform us. And personally, I've been reflecting on how the power of the resurrection has brought transformation in my own life. I'm going to let you into a little secret. I would have really loved to have been the finished product years ago. Okay, and and it's, I found it disappointing that I can't, by my own efforts, just be perfect, have it all sorted. <laughs> I know it sounds a bit naff to say that, but I don't particularly like making mistakes. I don't like getting things wrong. But by God's grace, he's revealed that it's in our weakness that he strengthens and he heals and he restores. A few years ago, I did the Freed for Purpose course at this church because the Holy Spirit had been revealing to me just how much pride had really sort of taken root in my heart, and it was holding me back in my faith. I'd been a Christian for years before this point, loving and serving God, but I'd developed some bad habits, and there were gaps in my understanding of the gospel. And God really broke in, and he brought real freedom And whilst I'm still very much a work in progress, you can ask Joe or you can ask my kids. Um, I'm so thankful for how God restores us and that the power of the resurrection is always enough. And that through God, transformation is always possible. And God uses weak and imperfect people like me, like you, to advance his kingdom. Okay, it doesn't just stop with us personally. God's building his kingdom. And because the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in us, he has the power to work in us for the advance of his kingdom. So the power that caused the the dead Jesus to raise to life lives in you and in me. That is amazing. Do you understand what that means? What God can do in you, through you, through us, through his church If I'm honest, it's really easy in the day-to-day to forget that that power is at work in me and I can allow my expectations to waver. But God is making all things new and we have promises in his word of what this will look like. Isaiah 61 reminds us that God has come to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty for the captives, to comfort all who mourn, to bring gladness and praise, to build up, to raise up and to repair. These are just some of the promises. And as the church, we get to play our part of this vision because of his power at work in us. So let's be a church in faith, that our risen Jesus is restoring us and our communities for the advance of his kingdom. Amen? Because he's coming back one day for his bride, the church, and we want to be ready. The resurrection of Jesus gives us reasons to celebrate today. And let's be people who don't just pay lip service to the gospel, but really live in the truth of it. Joe began at the start by reminding us that if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we would have no hope and our faith would be futile. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus has freed us from our sins. He's removed the sting of death. He has given us hope of eternal life and he's begun restoring our lives and those around us. We've got these reasons and many more to rejoice and celebrate. 
So in a moment, we're going we're gonna to sing and we're going to celebrate together. I'd love to pray for us before we do. Risen Jesus, your resurrection gives us hope. Not just hope of eternal life, as glorious and as wonderful as that is, we are expectant for that. But that hope starts now. Thank you, risen Jesus, that your power is at work in us who believe. You're transforming us for your glory. You're transforming your church for your glory, for the advance of your kingdom. Thank you, Jesus, that we are no longer dead in our sin. We're raised to life in you, Jesus Christ. Pray, Lord, that you would stir hope, stir faith in us this afternoon, that as we stand in a moment, we would stand and celebrate your victory over Satan, sin, and death. Lord, that it would touch the depth of our souls, that we would stand free this afternoon because of all that you have done. Amen. Amen.